Hey everyone, we have a Facebook and an Instagram for the Amrikis podcast. Podcast? Yes. Oh, Did, sorry, that it, was weird. How, see, that's how it sounds like when you say it. <laughs> if you don't mind liking us on both of those things, commenting, liking, subscribing, all that good stuff. It would be really appreciated because, you know, we got to get the algorithms to say we're great. Yes, indeed. At least at a minimum. Give us five stars. Five stars on Apple Podcasts or any other platform would also be great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Basically, because I was uh, far away from home, I considered it as if I was traveling. <laughs> so I wasn't fasting. I, Wait, you weren't fasting? No, I was, I was a traveler. And, and out of respect for the tradition of, of our great faith, I wasn't fasting. I uh, don't think that's how that one works. But... Uh... <laughs> Yo, 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 everyone. This is your co-host, Ihab, back with another episode of the Ramadan miniseries. And this time, our guest speaker is a two-time guest speaker. This is actually the first time that this has happened, where a guest speaker has been on our show twice. Um, And this is just because he was so good and so informative and so fun um, last time that we brought him on. Uh, We have Muhammad Qasamallah back here um to discuss everything ramadan uh so hey say hi to the people muhammad assalamualaikum everyone uh if we're gonna do uh a discussion about ramadan we have to start it out with with the ramadan song uh, and what is that what's the ramadan song <laughs> I can reassure the You notice you notice I'm just repeating the two verses, right? That's that's all I got. That's, for that, you. that's all you got? Um yeah. it's actually really cool to hear you um sing in Arabic. Um yeah. but I want to reassure yeah. my audience here that we did not rehearse this. <laughs> this was not yeah. part of the preparation. <laughs> <laughs> coming into this but i do appreciate it i do appreciate um sharing uh ramadan songs and i think that might actually be a good like side se- you know segue at some point to ask everybody yeah. like what music reminds them of ramadan um ramadan is 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 the time of corny nasheeds corny and, nasheeds and cornier arab musalsalat that's yeah, we've going on. we've talked a little bit about this with some of the other guests. And Muhammad, I I do want to kind of go over so much because you and I, our childhood overlaps in a lot of different ways. And I talked about this a little bit with you before we actually started recording. Um, we both grew up. Uh, our childhoods were in Tucson, Arizona. We both went to a Saudi Arabian run school in Tucson, Arizona, before we got kicked out for not being Saudi during the Gulf War of the early 90s, uh, we both then started going to Davidson Elementary, um, and we both lived in Christopher City. So there's a lot of overlap in how we grew up. Is Am I right in all of this? Yes, uh, that we, we share this history and... Uh, for better or for worse, it's made us who we are today. 
um, that, that weird talk where your parents are like, uh, you know, they, they, you know, the excuses that they made when we, we were told to leave the Saudi school. What were the excuses that they made? Funding. Funding uh, is what I remember being told. Really? And, and then me realizing that this is, God bless their heart for, for laying it down nice and easy for us. But um, I, I don't think that's really what it was. You know, it's such a strange um, concept, if you really think about it, that we both went to a Saudi Arabian school, Saudi Arabian run school, even though the people and the teachers that were in that Saudi Arabian school were my mom and probably your mom at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my mom actually remembers you very, I, I've mentioned this in the last episode that we talked about, but she remembers you very fondly um, in that school as one of her students, as a, as a youngin. Um, but speaking of childhood, um, I do want to just ask you, um, just, and there's a lot to talk about. And last Ramadan, you were uh, one of my only, this is Ramadan during COVID, you were my only um friend that i had uh iftar with that i broke my fast with in person um and so it kind of puts you at a very unique uh connection with me both in my childhood and my adulthood but in your childhood what is like what is what was the connection with ramadan like how did you how did you grow into it how did you like what are some weird stories that you can possibly remember i'm just curious i've not been asking this of everyone Ramadan in the Gasmalla household is uh, a very important time of the year. Um, definitely emphasis on, on fasting and then also, uh, alhamdulillah, my parents uh, were basically were in an environment where they took it very seriously and then the, we all fasted um, unless uh, we couldn't. And I just, the only anecdote that I really recall growing up with Ramadan is going to the bathroom and, and sneaking in M&Ms. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually cheated like as a, as a child, like you were trying to get and, away uh, with it. If, if, if Ramadan fell in the middle of the summer, man, those are long days. But that, but that wasn't the case for us though, because when we were kids, Ramadan was in the winter. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's still, uh, it's still, uh, it's still too a soon. Lot of daylight. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a long day, but it, I, I do remember struggling with with the fasting uh, earlier on in life, and it's still a struggle to this day. Uh, I feel like the first, second, or third day, it, it, the body's still, you know, getting used to the whole new setup of of you know not withholding of, of specifically for me is is the thirst. I yeah, feel like it's. Um, you think in like in year in decade three that we would have gotten used to, especially being desert boys, you and you and I in Tucson, that we would have gotten used to this, but never. And never. <laughs> I, I don't get used to that, and and I also like every year when 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 the summer hits, I'm I'm never used to the heat. It's just one of those things that I I, I don't get acclimated to. But yeah, yeah Ramadan growing up. It's definitely a special time of year. You see, at least pre pre pandemic, you saw you saw more of people. You're you're going to the masjid. Uh, people are taking it as an opportunity to uh, make up for the year of misgivings. Yeah. So I mean, I I hear you on that, and I think a lot of those ideas of 
Ramadan being uh, a time for us to like do better and uh, seek forgiveness for like the sins of the last year is something maybe we got developed a little bit later when we got older. Do do you recall that being like a big tenant uh, in childhood? So one of the things that uh, I was taught as a child and I still think about kind of almost every year was the fact that during Ramadan, the, the, the shayateen are locked up, right? Okay, so could you explain that to like the non-Arabic speakers a little bit? So it's actually very dangerous to think about this and it, it stresses me out also. Mm-hmm. If, 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 you know, I guess it just depends on what you attribute, uh, you know, some of the bad thoughts that you have and or some of the sins that you make the level of influence that the shaitan, you know, you want to give the shaitan. So if, 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 you know, these bad inclinations are from the shaitan and the shaitan is locked up, theoretically speaking, in, 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 during the month of Ramadan, and you're having the same inclinations, right? What does, <laughs> what does that say about you as a person? What so, does that so, say about So you? shaitan is the Arabic word for Satan. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, little Nas X is, is locked up, but you're still, <laughs> you're still having these inclinations and these thoughts. Well, what does that mean about you? I mean, it, it's very dangerous if you think about it, if you're still, obviously there's, there's still the nefs, there's the nefs being, I guess, the, the things that you, uh, I guess that you materialize. Or so you I, so I know. About. Yeah, so I know what you're talking about because I remember that as well. It's like, oh, this is, but I never felt it as a child. Now that you say this, I never felt the idea of having, um, you know, Satan locked up during Ramadan as like, I never used it against myself in that way. I always felt kind of like, ooh, like this is this is a safe time. You know, it's a safe time because we're not as like it's not as intense as it used to be. But I never, I, I don't think as a child I could relate. Um, directly, but it, I can definitely see how somebody would be like, oh, if Satan is locked up and I'm still doing my thing, then, yeah, I mean, it doesn't speak a lot about my own self, right? So, but but it's interesting that they also started doing that to us as, at such a young age. Yeah, if, if you think about the things that you're taught at, at a pretty young age in terms of the shaitan and some of the things that the shaitan can do to you um you know if you uh, I, I keep thinking about how like i don't know like if if you sleep with your mouth open the shaitan is gonna spit in your mouth spit and or do worse things to you well actually one of my favorite ones is if you leave the quran open then the shaitan is gonna read from it and like that is bad so you need to like cl- oh, did, yeah. you, did you grow up with that one uh, I, I I do remember that one. It's, also, I also I never understood that one that because one. I was like, wouldn't that's it be a, good if yeah. the shaitan like? What about the one about the muslaya? If you don't put the muslaya away, the shaitan is gonna come and pray. And I'm like, well, good. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's keep these suckers out. You know, get it's, a whole congregation of shayatin and just praying. It, and it, it's really interesting how like a lot of these small, I, I call them superstitions, if you want the truth, because like, there's really no basis for any of that kind of thing. Um, going forward. Um, and but n- people still adopt them. And that's what they teach their kids. And um, I guess I don't think too much about 
the religious stuff that we are taught as kids during Ramadan. For me, Ramadan was just kind of like almost a challenge. Can we make it? And I don't remember, like for me, since we, we both grew up in Christopher City, I don't really remember a lot of hanging out with other Muslim kids who were fasting. I really don't. But I do remember giving away my pizza at Davidson Elementary to like the surrounding kids and feeling like it was I'm doing a good thing, but also being like, oh, it's pizza day. And we, you know, pizza day was like great. Yeah, the, I'm sure every Muslim has had that conversation with, with their classmates during the Ramadan, the whole not even water. Yeah, mm-hmm. not not even water. What if what if this happens and what if that happens? And it's always, you know, it's like a yearly thing you gotta emphasize to them that um, not even water is, is always a big deal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, the lonely the lonely lunches, right? During Ramadan when you're in when you're at school. So that happened in elementary school, but it also happened like in middle school and high school. So you you had lonely lunches. Um, well, I just remember spending time in the library or uh, library. Yeah, I just remember that was where I would go during lunch, and uh, I don't know what I would do. But it, it was it was weird because in high school, I remember like this really nice librarian who was like my good friend. Um, for some reason, they thought it was like more respectful if they had us sit in the library during our fasting, like during lunch. Um, I never liked that. I didn't like the idea. I wanted to be in the library with everyone else eating and just not eating personally. Did you ever, like, I didn't want to just be dragged out of all of that and just ask to sit in the library because I'm choosing not to eat. Um, That's what I thought, at least. I still think it's hilarious when even now as an adult, if, if, you're, if it's during an Ramadan and someone is like eating in front of you. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, oh, the temptation of that snack is just going to break my fast. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm going to lunge over this table and, and, yeah. and take yeah. away your, your, your candy bar. And yeah, yeah like what's, yeah. It, they, what's they, the, they mean well. They do mean well, but like, what's the implication? The implication is that they are assuming that they are being offensive by not practicing something that we choose to practice on a personal basis that has nothing to do with them. Um, So yeah, they mean well, but in a way, like, I don't, I just want to know, they know I'm fasting, eat, enjoy your food. You're not fasting. Everything's fine. Um, But they're always apologizing. And (laughs) I'm like, bro, like eat it. And like, you're fine. And I'll, I'm going to go through my my day and I'm glad you're conscious but you know chill it's fine. Yeah, it's it's not a big deal. I'm yeah. I'm I have the willpower to <laughs> I have the willpower indeed. How will How will We're recording this like probably a week or so before Ramadan so we're kind of getting ready for it. Um, just between you and I, and like, you can be honest with me cause it's just me here. Nobody else is listening, you know, no reputations will be ruined. Um, how you feeling? Like, are you looking forward to Ramadan or you're not? <laughs> I did a, I did a dry run, uh, Ramadan, uh, on the 15th of, uh, Shaban and, and it was rough. And so like, uh, two week, a week ago. Yeah, it was, uh, pretty bad uh 
I, I often get headaches on the first or you know, first or second day, and I definitely got a headache, and and it makes you uh, realize how important uh, the game plan is for suhoor in terms of what you eat and how you prepare in, in, in the morning. But suhoor is always a challenge for me because I'm just not in the mood to to eat anything that early. Um, but it's definitely critical. And whenever I've missed suhoor, it's 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 always going to be a struggle. You wake uh, up and you're like, oh no, this day is yeah. going to be horrible. I'm, if, I'm, I mi- if I miss it though, it's literally, I, I literally wake up maybe like a minute or two after Fajr. I'm just really angry with everyone. <laughs> Yeah. Well, how did this happen? Yeah, it's like I either do it or I don't. I either have like a late suhoor and just pretend that we started like on time or not. Um, who knows, right? Who's watching? Maybe this clock is not working correctly. Yeah. Maybe suddenly all the GPS synchronization went out. Blame the satellites. Blame the satellites. Or, you know, maybe Los An- I can suddenly just be part of Los Angeles, you know, just take it yeah. um, and just get a couple more minutes on this. Um, I'm curious, uh, did you, like, I really didn't like waking up for suhoor when I was a kid growing up. And my parents used to come at me and wake me up. And I was, like, very, very moody kid. Um, what's your relationship with, with your parents, like, when you were growing up and... Were they waking you up? Is it was it like a a thing that everybody else was waking up to? Just what was it like at the Qasamallah household? It was definitely my dad uh, waking me up and then going to eat something and coming back and seeing that I'm still asleep, <laughs> trying again, rinse and repeat. Um, I definitely uh, have to give props to to my dad for his valiant efforts of, of trying to get us to wake up and because um, he, he obviously knows that uh, there's going to be a struggle uh, if, if, if I don't wake up. Yeah. But it, but in general, the whole uh, approach to Ramadan, I, I know as Muslims, we're, we're supposed to be uh, very excited about it. And, uh, you know, obviously it, 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 there are some inconveniences, but um, it, it, it usually takes a while for me to, you know, reach that that level of enthusiasm <laughs> yeah, yeah. i also generally feel just a little bit of some tantrums on the first few days where i'm like i'm not enjoying this i don't know why everybody else is enjoying this like yeah it's like it's such a tiring thing i feel like i feel like i started out with the you know maybe the first and second day i'm, I'm struggling with with the whole physiological changes and then you know, once you kind of get in the rhythm, you're okay. But then I feel like, if you think about it, like a, a, as a as a marathon, like I definitely, I feel like halfway through, I'm just, I run out of gas. And, yeah. And then you know, the last ten days are really, really special. And then I feel like sometimes I'm just kind of just crossing the the finish line on on fumes. Um, right. Right. Last 10 days are just kind of like, oh, there's 10 days left, but don't think about it. This is one of those things that's like, okay, we got 30 days left, and then one day is gone, and then you're like, we have 29 days left, and it seems so far away. Um, you don't, I don't really know how I get through it, usually. Um, so you, you lived on your own before you got married, and you lived with a bunch of Muslim guys um, 
who maybe fasted, maybe didn't. I don't know. Like, how was your experience just kind of living in that kind of situation away from your family, um, on your own, not married? What, did Ramadan change for you? Because it definitely changed for me when I lived on my own, especially when I went to Pittsburgh and was definitely on my own. Big difference. So I, I took the, uh, basically because I was uh, far away from home, I considered it as if I was traveling. So I wasn't fasting. I, Wait, you weren't fasting? No, I was, I was a traveler. And, and out of respect for the tradition of, of our great faith, I wasn't fasting. I uh, don't think that's how that one works. But uh. <laughs> No, I, I, it's a huge, it's definitely uh, a big difference. The, just the, you definitely miss your mom's cooking, the fact that your mom just took care of everything. Mm-hmm. Some of the thoughts that I had were, if I think about them, were just downright sad. They are sad, aren't and they? You're just, <laughs> I, think, the, I think the, for me it was like granola bars from Costco one time that I iftered on. And like, yeah, especially like if, if I was in a situation where I was working late mm. and I'm like, man, I'm not going to make it home in time. So I'm just going to go to the gas station and just eat whatever gas station food uh, I have. I'm able to find. It really does remove from the the magical nature of Ramadan. Friends that I've had who are like completely on their own, like no roommates, would dis- it, it would describe the closest or the most depressing like scenarios of just ramen noodles by yourself. It it, it can be. Those are some sad stories. Um, right, right. No, and I I remember bad. that, but. There wasn't like a masjid or anything like that that like made it a little bit less like, sorry, a little bit more like home. Um, considering that, you know, for me, just because there was a masjid nearby, especially during my freshman year when my family wasn't here, or there was a masjid nearby even in Pittsburgh, I still felt like a, a huge sadness, especially when there isn't a family around. Yeah, I, f- I feel like a lot of Muslims kind of felt that way in the in the past year with the pandemic. Right, when, right. When the masjid wasn't even an option, but yeah, there usually is a masjid nearby where you can kind of, like I know Tucson for the longest time they would have uh, iftars there. I know a lot of masajids do that, and and I think a lot of masajids don't. If if you have a strong connection to the community, it'll definitely help you. Uh, survive uh, Ramadan, but still, I feel like it, if you're if you're not with your family, it's it's going to be tough. Just the communal aspect of of, of Ramadan, you're going to have your ramen noodle iftar, and then your leftover ramen noodles hood, and it's just that's depressing. Actually, I remember for me it was um, White Castle microwavable cheeseburgers <laughs> on at Sahur. That was uh, that was as sad as it gets. Uh, I think that's for me. Bad. That's Not to mention, bad. like, Pop-Tarts. Um, oh, but I do also remember one time... But one one cool thing about just being in college and being around a bunch of Muslim guys who are also fasting is staying up and then going out to Los Betos or some, like, 24-hour Mexican restaurant and ordering, like, the biggest steak and egg and cheese, like, burrito during suhoor. And then suffering all day the next that day 
during fasting with heartburn <laughs> and gastrointestinal issues. Um, and that's when, when I was young. So never again. Um, my sohoors these days are definitely like one bowl of cereal and maybe some watermelon, you know. That's a solid sohoor if you ask me. Right. I, I definitely miss, uh, miss, miss those nights of just being out, um, you know, out and about at night. I mean, I've yeah. I've organized a few times some at IHOP that you came to, right? Yeah, like that yeah. one time with Those a bunch bunch of the guys. So, you and I both know many non-religious Arab Muslims and just Muslims in general uh, who still observed Ramadan. You know, they don't do anything else, but Ramadan is still very, very important to them because it's 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 way beyond just. The idea of being like a religious person or a spiritual person—it's also just about kind of connecting with the community. Would Would you agree with that? I would, um, and, and you know, uh, coming from a, a, a perspective of, of not trying to judge, uh, it's always great to see the, some of the people that you don't get to see the rest of the year. You run into them in the masjid. Um, you know, and obviously everyone is going through their own journey and, and struggle, but uh, it, it, it's it's encouraging to me that at least you get to see them during Ramadan, and it might not be all of Ramadan, but maybe even like the last ten nights, where the when the mas- masjid is full and and people are there to, uh, you know, take advantage of the blessing of, of that time. Yeah, I mean it's just good times, like regardless. Um, and then there was also those nights like after tarawih or even we skipped tarawih, which are the long, you know, prayers, um, after we, we break our fast, uh, and just go play volleyball or just go do anything else. Um, you know, before we have to do this again for me, I also went to, you know, the, the hookah bars. I didn't really smoke. Um, still enjoyed just hanging out with the guys and staying up all the way almost to near Fajr every time, like all the way to 3, 4 a.m. Um, and kind of starting my fast with the guys and then going home and sleeping. Like that was a regular thing. And it it's something I miss, and I don't think we're going to be able to do it this year either because of COVID. But um really hoping to be able to do that at some point soon. I mean, I got my vaccine, you got your vaccine. So maybe we, you and I, and maybe other vaccine guys can get together, hopefully. But it's, uh, it's something I definitely miss. The, the people that I was always impressed with back then were the ones who would wake up for suhoor, pray, and just sleep. <laughs> and wake up right before Maghrib. <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. That's a a skill. I mean, that takes dedication. I mean, it's it's obviously, you know, I I don't know about the benefits of that, but that's something that I just remember being in awe of that that some people can pull that off. Um, So Ramadan might, might might have a little different meaning to them, but (laughs) <laughs> yes, their circadian uh, cycle has definitely yeah. uh, been altered, and I would say that's the most impressive thing for me. But I, I would even if I stayed up until Fajr and I fell asleep, I'm waking up like at twelve. You know, yeah. there's gonna be very little chance I'm gonna make it all the way, you know, to sunset. There um, was a. I remember a friend of mine told me that 
or I, I think I read it online. It wasn't a friend that they, what they, uh, they, 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 they slept through Maghrib and they slept through Suhoor. So they slept <laughs> right after Asr, right? They were really tired. They slept right after Asr and they woke up after Fajr. So and they, they were just and they were just like how? <laughs> so they slept through the fast breaking all the way to the next day when they were supposed to fast and so they yeah. never got a chance to break their fast. I've seen that before. I've seen it as a meme and I don't like it's not, probably not very common but I'm sure. I'm almost entirely sure that if that was to happen that that is an excuse to like break your suhoor. To not have water for 2 days is very harmful. You yeah. know? I feel yeah. like that that's a that's a day where you should seriously consider just making it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's like almost like you're sick because, you know, fasting was never meant to be any sort of um, you know. Yeah. So Muhammad, before I let you go for this uh Ramadan series episode, I'm just curious if there's anything in the back of your mind to kind of help you know, fasters and non-fasters, a lot of people who are sick and have excuses or um, would and still enjoy Ramadan in other ways. Um, anything you want to you want to say to the uh, to the ether um, to as an encouragement, maybe in the spirit of the holy month? I, uh, I feel bad for the, the Muslims out there that really want to fast but can't or for a host of reasons. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty lonely feeling for them. Uh, you know, there's some people that, you know, once they get to a certain age or some uh, people that have medications that they have to take, even uh, women that are pregnant or, or nursing, yeah, uh, I've always felt bad for them. And uh, not to be a Debbie Downer, but also if you think about it, there will come a time where you probably are not able to fast. We're not able to fast even though we're, we're young now. So I, I feel like uh, it's one of those things that every year at the end of Ramadan, it's always the same feeling for me. I, f I feel like I, I should have done more. I should have uh, taken more advantage of it. So uh, I guess if you are in that mindset now before the start of Ramadan and earlier on in the, in the month of Ramadan, definitely appreciate it there's no guarantee that we'll be around for the next one mm -hmm. and uh you know like when we line up to pray and the imam says pray as if it's your last prayer i guess if you have the mentality that, that this is this might be your last ramadan because you know you just who knows i mean if you think about it this way you have a year ago in the beginning of this pandemic mm-hmm a lot of Muslims died between last year and this year. Just due to COVID. Because of COVID. And um, yeah, that's a sobering thought. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's a very... It's, it's, it's an opportunity, man. Uh, you know, obviously every 10 days, there's a different focus. The last 10 days, the the, the, num the blessings are, are, are numerous. And there's always this this guilt that I feel and I feel like psychologically speaking it's kind of a roller coaster ride you know you're you're getting used to how your body responds and then you kind of get into the the swing of things and I feel like towards the end of Ramadan I feel like I'm mentally there emotionally there physically there and then 
then it ends. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then you're, you're kind of, I don't know. I feel like that, that, that feeling of regret that I feel at the end of Ramadan, I wish, I, I wish it's uh, something that I, I guess I could just manage Ramadan better and plan it out better and, and take advantage of, of, of the whole thing better. I I do appreciate just that vulnerability in in regards to you know possible shame and you know that comes up during Ramadan um especially I think for us it it was beaten into us not physically obviously but metaphorically um that we should take advantage and no and a lot of times I also didn't feel very adequate that I've done enough but I I do think that regardless of how much effort you put in just any sort of mindfulness during Ramadan has such a great effect on the body, on the mind, on the soul. Like it really, dis- as I've said this many times, but it disrupts the systems. It disrupts the routines. It really kind of pushes me to consider my mortality, whether it be because, you know, who knows if it's going to come back, but also just because I'm like, wow, you know, no food, no water. Look how close I am to death. You know, and it's like death is close. And I know those are very somber, you know, sobering thoughts. Nonetheless, it's something definitely to think about. And it disrupts the ongoing, you know, intensity of life. And I appreciate you just bringing that up, you know, going forward. So it is an opportunity. And I hope that we take that opportunity. I've known a lot of people who fast, Muslim and non-Muslim alike. There's definitely an effect that is beneficial and i hope that everybody who chooses to fast finds that benefit and the people who don't still find that benefit at least with the intention that you have so i think in conclusion uh during ramadan i should come over at least once a week and we should binge watch rami um especially (laughs) the episode about ramadan (laughs) and for those who've watched rami and know about the episode about ramadan um you will Definitely appreciate this reference for sure. So. I don't mean to brag, yeah, but I, I feel like I, I I do believe I introduced you to Rami. So let me think about this for a second. Was it you? It was. I was like, man, there's this show you should watch it. And oh you're my, at my god! Place. Yes, yes, it and was you who introduced me. Yeah. And and then I was like, and then I watched it separately, and then I came back. So, but what I want to say is it was, it was thrilling watching you watch it. Like you, yeah. it, like I felt like all of the jokes, you just kind of, there was a connection there. And yeah, uh, we, uh, we had, you, a, had a, you were having epi- a good time. We had an episode on the Ambrikis, um, about Rami and I think it's in the titles. So if you scroll down, you'll get there, uh, Hulu's Rami. Um, where we talk a lot more about him and about things in that regards. But it's honestly, I would think it would be very appropriate to binge watch Rami this uh, Ramadan season. All right, friend. Habibi, thank you so much, Muhammad, for joining and for providing your your feedback. It's hopefully going to be another one of those good fasting months of our of our lives and uh look forward to to connecting with you as i mentioned um anything else you want to say before you go i want to uh, encourage people to to uh go out of their way to be extra kind and generous this year 
and uh, acknowledge that a lot of Muslims are suffering not only uh, all over the world, but where we are and, and, and do whatever we can to, to help those out who are in need. Thank you, Muhammad. All right, friends, be well. And lastly, yes. Ihab, stop, stop complaining. And lastly, Ihab, stop complaining is a very good <laughs> piece of advice. Probably going to make it the title of this episode. Oh, man. All right, Muhammad, take care. Have a good one. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate your time for the Amrikis and the Ramadan mini-series. This is Ihab and Muhammad Qasamallah signing off. Ma'asalaam. Bye-bye.